The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. this journey from the book of John in John chapter 8, verse 12. Uh, Last week, Pastor Gary did a great job uh, sharing with us the story of Jesus' forgiveness and healing of the woman who was caught in adultery, the confrontation between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and their test to try and trap Jesus in this uh, peculiar situation. And Jesus, in a way that only he could, handled that situation by shining the light of truth into that darkness. We're going to see more about that today. There is darkness in this world. There's darkness in each of our lives. And our key verse for today, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father God, I pray now as we look into your word that you would open up our heart and mind to hear it, to see it, and most of all, to be transformed by it. So speak to us now, Lord Jesus. Amen. John chapter 8, to give kind of background and context and remind those who may be new to us today of where we are, uh, we are reading through the gospel of John. Uh, John, the guy who wrote this book and several other books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, three other letters he wrote, and the book of Revelation, gives us some beautiful pictures of who Jesus is. And his whole entire purpose for writing what we're reading is so that we might hear these things and that we might believe that Jesus is not just a good teacher, not just a, a good rabbi, but that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And for the past seven chapters, we have seen Jesus presenting himself in that way 
We have seen the witnesses of John the Baptist, the witnesses of the different miracles that are signs pointing to who he is and why he is here and where he is going and where he's inviting us to follow. We hear the testimonies as he alludes to the Old Testament scriptures, all of the Bible telling and pointing to the story of Jesus. We'll see more of that unfold today. And we are reminded over and over again by Jesus himself that he has not come in his own authority, but he has come from the one who has sent him, the Father, God in heaven, has become God in flesh. In this circumstance and, and the, uh, of the day, there is a f- number of feasts going on. High points in the calendar for those who followed the Jewish calendar where they would travel to Jerusalem to participate in certain festivals. And in John chapter 7, we see the beginning of another festival. We are about six months from Passover, where Jesus will come back to Jerusalem again, and this time to lay down his life as a ransom for us. As he allows his blood to be shed for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. We are here in the temple, the high holy place. We are in the court of women, also referred to as the treasury, where many different people coming and going would hear, where they would gather, where they would celebrate. This is where a lot of the celebration during the Feast of Booths would take place, a place where they would dance, where they would feast, where they would eat, where they would celebrate in remembrance of how God saved their ancestors during the time of wilderness as he led them out of Egypt to the promised land. As they went on this journey, God provided for them water from rocks. In the midst of that story, Jesus says, I am living water. As he led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, Jesus standing in the middle of this court, there are four 75 foot tall golden torches lit. They start lighting them at the beginning of the Feast of Booths and they burn all week long, providing light for the party to happen in the temple courts. And it's there in the middle of those lights that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. For Jesus to use those words were not just simple words. Seven times Jesus uses the phrase, I am fill in the blank. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. I am the bread from heaven. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. He's going to say seven different phrases, all pointing to the truth of who he is. And each time identifying himself as God in flesh. Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was not just a sideshow performer. He was not just a miracle worker. He is God. He has come to give us new life. He has come to lay down his life, to allow his body to be broken and his blood to be shed. And if we receive him, we can receive that forgiveness, just like the woman. You know, the interesting thing about the story Gary told last week is that woman was caught in her sin. It wasn't like she performed this sin and then went home and was convicted and sought out a rabbi to confess to. She was literally caught in the act of adultery. She was brought to Jesus. She knew the consequences were likely that her life would be taken from her. The, the, the rabbis and, and the leaders had gathered stones to kill her. 
And Jesus says the words, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. Jesus came, according to John chapter 3, not to condemn the world, but the world is condemned already. We are dead in our sins and transgressions. He has come instead to bring life and light and forgiveness to any who would receive it. Jesus is not soft on sin. Jesus is going to warn the crowd on this day that their sin will lead them to die separated from God in a place below a place called hell. We all deserve eternal separation from God because of the sin that is in our life. But Jesus, because of his great love, him being rich in mercy, offers light and love and forgiveness to any who would receive it. Even those who are standing in the midst accusing him, wanting to kill him. Remember this heated debate going on? There are people there that are wanting to arrest him. There are people there wanting to kill him. And yet over and over again, we keep reading. And yet they did not arrest him because it was not yet his hour. We're going to see that again today as the conversation continues. So let's pick up. Let's join the crowd in the middle of the temple courts and see what's going on. This feast of booth is unfolding. The torches are being lit. And Jesus makes the statement, I am the light of the world. You see, a lot of the Pharisees were there that day, and they were upset. Uh, They had sent their soldiers to arrest Jesus. Remember what happened when that happened? The soldiers went, they arrived, and Jesus says, what are you going to arrest me for? And he he shares with them truth, and and they're just, they stand in awe, and they go back empty-handed, and the Pharisees are like, wait, we told you to go arrest that man. And they're like, nobody ever taught like you taught. We're dumbfounded. We don't. We we can't explain. There's something different about him. And and the and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, say, well, "What do you believe in him now, too?" And then Nicodemus, one of the the chief priests, one of the the, the ruling members of the council, says, "Well, guys, wait a minute. Aren't we being a little quick? Don't we first put someone through a trial before we improperly accuse them? Don't we hear their story?" And they turn to him and they say, "What are you a book follower too?" Come on, search the scripture. If you knew the scriptures, you would know this man can't be a prophet. He can't be what he says he is because no prophet comes from where? From Galilee. Look at 752. They replied, are you, a Gal- are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Search and see. So you know what we should do when it says search and see? Exactly. So you know what? They, they, they must not have searched enough because over 40 times in the Old Testament, there are prophecies about who Jesus is. And, and, the, and some skeptics would say, well, yeah, all Jesus had to do was study those prophecies and then do the things that they said he would do. Well, these are the prophecies that were fulfilled, where he would be born. How many of you chose where you'd be born? How many of you like, talk to your mother while you're in the womb, okay, uh, head over here, and uh, that's where I want to be born. No, prophecies of how we would die. How many of you already decided how you'll die? How many of you decided what, what day you'll die? How many of you decided where you'll be buried after you die? These kinds of things were completely out of the control if he was just an ordinary person for them to be fulfilled in him. And yet over 40 prophecies from the Old Testament came true in the life of this man 
not just man, but a God in flesh, Jesus Christ. Some of you are familiar with Christmas season and Christmas passages of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 9 must not have been on the minds of the accusers that day. Because listen to what Isaiah chapter 9 says. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of all the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. It goes on to say, the people walking in darkness will see a great light. Search the scriptures. You'll see that no good person, no prophet comes from Galilee. Hello, Isaiah just said, the people walking in darkness will be honored in Galilee because they will see a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the light of the world. Those who follow him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of you have heard of the thing called Star Wars? A couple, that's great. Star Wars, light and dark, the light side versus the dark side. Light in Star Wars is good. Dark in Star Wars is bad. Jesus is light. He's on the good side, okay? Darkness is a symbol of evil. In the scriptures, we see darkness compared to evil all the time. We see, and night was upon us, though night be around me at all times. Not literal night, but darkness, sin, evil, oppression. Jesus is light. When Jesus is standing in the courts and says, I am the light, he's not saying just trivial words. And those present were cut to the core. Many wanted to arrest him and kill him. And yet we're going to see in verse 30 that many put their faith in him and believed in him. Where does this idea of light come from? Well, turn to the very beginning of your Bible. If you have a full Bible and not just your scripture journal, you can turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Let me read for you for those of you that don't have a Bible with you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty or void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The beautiful name here from the beginning, God, is the name Elohim in Hebrew. It speaks of the plurality of who he is. We believe in God not as a singular being. God is one, but God is made up of three. God the Father, God the Son who became flesh, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are present here. God says, let us make man in our image. Elohim, the, the plurality of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is hovering over the waters. And verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Last night, I heard uh, the storm as it was rolling in. 
And in addition to the storm, I heard some banging on the side of my house. And I wasn't quite sure. Did I leave the dog outside? No, he's crushing my feet right now. He's still in the bed. It's not the dog. What is banging on the side of my house? So I got up and I went downstairs and I opened the door, turning on the light, and darkness flooded my house. Is that what happens? What happens when you turn on a light? Light pushes out darkness, doesn't it? As soon as I turn on the light, the light shined through the windows, it shined through the door I had opened, and by the way, it was just the tent I had put up banging against the house in the wind, so hopefully the tent is still okay. You'd think I'd learn, for those of you who know my history with tents. But anyway, light pushes darkness away. Darkness does not overcome light. It cannot. And the light shone in the darkness. And as soon as God said, let there be light, there are three things that happened. And I'm going to kind of have these as your outline for today. Number one, formlessness began to form. Number two, darkness was pushed back or exposed. Number three, the emptiness or the void was filled with light. So if you remember back to the creation story, for those of you who know it, God speaks light, and at the beginning of the creation story, he then creates everything that was made, sun, moon, stars, planets, everything that... uh, everything that lives in the water and the air, animals, man, God made it all. And it all started with light. Let there be light. Formlessness began to form. What we know about light is that light pushes out darkness. Light begins to bring organization. Light begins to show meaning and purpose. If I walk into a dark room and the light is off, I might stub a toe. I might hit my shin. How many have done something like that recently? Exactly. Light begins to bring order to disorder, form to formlessness. Structure begins to take place where there's no structure there. And It gives us meaning and purpose. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says like this, What is the chief end, the chief means to all life? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Simply put, why are we here? Why do we exist? What is life all about? The book of John in chapter 1 tells us that we were made by Jesus and for Jesus. By him and for him. We are created not just, God isn't done, not just the God that deists believe, wound up the universe, set it in motion, and walked away. God is not at a distance like Bette Midler sings back in the 90s or whenever she sang from a distance. God is here. He's in the middle of, of, of life because he is the sustainer of life. He is the life and the light of men. And God created you and me so that we would enjoy him forever. We, are his, we were created to be his children. Our ultimate purpose is to enjoy God. How do we do that? By glorifying him. How do we do that? By living rightly according to his love, his life, his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. John Piper, as I was reading and preparing for today, put it like this, 
creation was made to be filled by his light. Jesus is light, and everything that was made was made to be fulfilled and filled by him. Everything outside of the light is in what the Bible calls outer darkness. If you, those of you who note takers, Matthew 8, 12, 22, 13, 25, 30, refer to a place called outer darkness, which also translated <coughs> is hell. Everyone outside of Jesus' light is destined for eternal separation in a place called outer darkness, otherwise called hell. The only way that we can find life in Christ, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the light. We were made for him and by him. And our only way that we can experience the kind of life that he has called us to live is through him. It says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and life more. Light exposes darkness. It reveals obstacles that are in our path that will bring us our downfall if we allow it, if we're not careful, if we ignore it. But light also enables us to see everything that is good, that is true and proper. It's important to know that without the light of Jesus, we cannot truly see anything the way we should. The light of Jesus illumines everything in its proper beauty, mountains and valleys, oceans and prairies, and even earthquakes and tsunamis. Jesus' light even shows us how to walk through suffering and death. Jesus' light is the soft glow in a lonely room after a devastating loss. Jesus' light is the lamp on our troubled path. Jesus' light reveals the loving and always present face of a God, a Savior, and a Lord who always is with us. Jesus, his light brings order where there's chaos, form where there was formlessness, and gives us purpose and meaning. The second thing that light does is it brings darkness to light. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that we are transferred out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of light by his beloved son. It's in this moment that we are moved out of darkness and into light. If you do not know Jesus, you do not know light. If you do not walk with Jesus, you are walking in darkness. By the end of our message today, my hope is that all of us have our eyes open to who Jesus really is and that we would choose light instead of darkness in our lives. But the Bible tells us that men love darkness because our deeds are evil. And so darkness comes to shed, uh, light comes to shed light on the darkness. And yes, there are some times where the darkness that's in our lives, it hurts for it. We want to keep it secret. We want to keep it hidden. We want to keep it exposed. That's why we love the darkness, because we, 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 we're afraid of what others might think if they knew if certain things were brought to light. And yet look at the story over and over again of people throughout the Bible 
who are already dead in their sins. And when Jesus' light comes, Jesus' light doesn't come to say, wow, you really are a sinner apart from me. Every time Jesus' light comes, Jesus shows them a way to safety, a way to forgiveness, a way to healing. The woman out in adultery, not condemned, but lifted, told to be forgiven and to go and sin no more. This is what the light of Christ does in our life. The light exposes darkness. In Psalm 139, David says it like this, verse 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me become night, even the darkness is not too dark for you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. The psalmist continues on in Psalm 32, verse 1 through 5, and says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression, another word for sin, another word for darkness. Blessed is the one whose sin is atoned for, is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Deceit in this verse does not mean that he's guilty of anything, but rather he has no, no way, reason to hide. <coughs> Blessed is the one <coughs> who isn't, does not have to keep silent. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. What the psalmist is saying is thank you for exposing the darkness in me because I carried it like a heavy weight. How many of you have been walking in darkness and it has brought anxiety and stress and just weighed down on you? Having light of forgiveness and love shine on that is like finding cancer early enough to treat it. It's exactly what the light of God does for us. David said, search me and see if there's any way in the, of me that is not in line with who you are. Verse five of that chapter, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess. The word confess means to agree with God about your sin to admit it to him and to agree, yes, God, this way of living is not right. You are light and this is darkness. And I agree with you and I confess and I ask your forgiveness. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So fellow Christian, those of you out there who have come to know the light, are there areas of darkness in your life? Are there areas where you have allowed the darkness to be there because the light is not present? If I were to shut off the lights, darkness would fill this room. And there are areas of our life where we have not allowed the light of God's life to shine when darkness is present. 
confess. First John, another letter written by the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John. First John says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But, and there's always a but with God, there's always a way out. There's always a way to freedom. There's always a way to forgiveness. But with God, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we do then have fellowship with God and with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So how do we walk in the light? It starts with us admitting and agreeing with God about our sin. Look at verse eight. (coughs) If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess again to admit to God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I am off base here. I am making my own choices that aren't right. I confess, I admit, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In some ways, there are areas of our life where we simply need to just come to God and just admit and to seek him in prayer and to seek him over and over again, daily learning to die to our own desires. Paul said, the things I know I shouldn't do, I keep doing, and the things I know I should do, I I stumble, and I don't do the right things, and I do the wrong things. Where is there hope? There is hope only in Christ. And so day in and day out, I come to him, I, I fall before him, dying to myself, Jesus said, if you want to follow me in Luke 9, 23, you must learn to pick up your cross. And the cross meant death back then. Jesus said, you must be willing to die to yourself, your own desires, your own ways that seem right in your mind. Pick up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. Daily, we learn this to him. That's why, Je- why, why Peter, uh, Jesus went to Peter and said, I need to wash your feet. Sure, your whole body has been clean, but there's still sin and dirtiness at times in your life. And and so Peter said, fine, wash my whole body. We need to come daily to Jesus to confess, to become clean. And then some of us, we've got some sins in our life that are so, they've got their hooks dug in so deep that we, we can't do it alone. We can't get rid of any sin on our own. We need Jesus in all circumstances and situations. But there are some things, some addictions, some habits that have a hold in our life where we need the help of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we confess to them and say, I've been struggling with this, with this for 5, 10, 20 years, and I can't let go. I need help. Will you come and be my prayer partner, my prayer warrior? Will you help me fight this battle? And there are times where we need to realize that the darkness is too dark for us alone we need to seek Jesus and his light together with friends and loved ones that we can trust in our moment of need. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he will forgive us of all of our sins. And so we then come to the last part of this key verse. I am the light. 
follow me, you will not walk in darkness. And you will have the light of life. In creation, God spoke, let there be light. And it was the beginning of the formation of all the world. Everything that lives, everything that is beautiful. And in the same way, as we learn to walk with Christ, he promises to give us fullness. Meaning and purpose. Sure, there are many people in this world who have happy lives. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy the pleasures of life. You don't have to be a Christian to know this is a good steak or, or this is a great vacation. Or you don't have to be a Christian to experience the depth of love and intimacy with someone special in your life. But I believe that the scriptures teach you will never experience the fullness of all that the good things in life have to offer apart from the light of Christ. You will never truly learn what love is if you do not know God who is love. Allow Jesus to be the one who leads you into love. You will never experience the fullness of how great something is to be enjoyed in this life. Isn't it amazing that God created a life to be enjoyed? to see beautiful scenes and to know that there is not just the scenery, but someone who created it. To experience all the wonderful flavors, a God who made food that tastes good. Many of us without Christ will just love, man, this is great steak. But to know the one who made the steak, and I'm not just talking about the chef, I'm talking about the God of the universe who created all these things that hopefully lead us to worship him. Whether you eat or drink and anything you do, worship your father in heaven. His light brings fullness. His life, his light brings fullness to the void in our life. And he is the only one that can fill us. I'm reminded during football season of a interview I saw with, a guy you may have heard of, uh, Tom Brady. After his fourth Super Bowl win, he was interviewed. I don't remember where I read the interview, but he was interviewed, and basically the interview ended like this. So what's next for you? Um, many of us know there were more rings to come, more Super Bowls to win. I'm not a very big Patriot fan, but he's done pretty good for himself. Tom Brady has all these wins. He has this supermodel wife. You could argue he has all the riches of the world that uh, if money could buy happiness, you would argue he's got it. He's got to have it. But at the end of this interview, the person said, so where does this leave you at the end of the day? What, what kind of thoughts cross your mind? And Tom Brady is quoted saying, after all is said and done, have to think there has to be more than this. This can't be it. I don't know where Tom stands with his belief with God, but scriptures tell us that all is meaningless. Apart from him, we will never experience the fullness that we were created to experience. Only Jesus can bring life 
So those standing in the courts that day, they didn't understand these words. They're arguing they are spiritually blinded. They had the truth, and yet they didn't know the truth. They had the truth of the scriptures. They'd study them, and yet the, the speaker of the truth, the, the person who embodies all truth, is standing in their midst saying, I am your light, and all they can think of is we need to kill this guy. So he said to them again, verse 21, I am going away, and you will seek me. But he doesn't say you will find me. Because of where they were, because they where they stand with God, because they do not see him as the light, his words to them are damnation. I am going away, and you will seek me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, is he going to go kill himself? We know in the end where we're going. We're Jews. We're going to spend eternity with the Father in heaven. He must be talking about killing himself. And, and anybody who kills himself, we know they go to hell. By the way, that is not in the Bible. Suicide doesn't send anyone to hell. Suicide is a terrible thing. But I have, I have friends that have committed suicide. There, there have been pastors and leaders of the faith of the church who have taken their own lives, and it's devastating, and it's not right. But suicide doesn't send anybody to hell. You can't find that in Scripture anywhere. It's a separate conversation, but if you want to talk about that ever, please let me know. But these men, they were accusing him. What is he talking about? Is he going to go kill himself? He's saying he's going to go somewhere we can't come. But he said to them, are from below. I am from above. You and your thinking and your state, you're of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am. I am is the name of God. In the ESV, in the English translation, they added the word he. It doesn't exist in the original Greek. Jesus said, you will die in your sin unless you believe that I am. You will die in your sin unless you believe that I am. You will die. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning, from Genesis chapter 1, that beginning, as well as the beginning of this, these conversations. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me, the Father, is true. I declare to the world what I have heard from him, my Father. They did not understand what he was speaking about and that he was speaking about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know who I am. You will know that I am together with you and was added to you. When you come to the place where finally I allow you to put me through a mockery of a trial, and when you lift me up literally on that cross, there's going to come a day when all, whether you have believed in God or not, stand before the throne of God and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For some, it'll be too late. 
they will be sent to hell knowing that was the Savior. He was the light. And we rejected him. But to those who believed in him, who received him, they are given the right to become children of God. Jesus says, you're going to go to hell because of your sin unless you believe in me that I am. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am and that nothing I do is of my own authority, but I speak just as the Father has taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I have always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many were put faith So where are you today? Are you walking in the light of life? Have you been set free from the one who died on the cross and rose again to forgive you and to give you life full of meaning and purpose, to help you in your areas of darkness? Yes, all of us, myself included, there are times when I daily need to be reminded, fall to your knees, John, confess that you need Jesus as your Savior today. Confess that you have sin in your life. And there are times that I need to turn and repent from the things that I know that I'm doing that don't glorify him and and and. Do you see that for yourself? Have you come to a place where you are confessing and saying, God, I need you. I need to walk away from the darkness and turn to the light and choose to follow you. For those of you in this room who may have never heard it quite like this, the words that Jesus is saying here if you believe in me that I am the God who became flesh who came to die on a cross for you it doesn't matter what you've done I love you my forgiveness is available to you I want to shine my light in your life and give you fullness and purpose and meaning have you opened up your heart to receive that today to any who would believe in him call out to him, who would confess with their mouth that they want him to be their Lord. Jesus says, I will save you. I will make you my child. We will walk in fellowship with one another. And I will be the light of the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that you are good. meaning and purpose. You have come to set us free from the sin that so easily entangles. You have come to give us light and meaning. And one day we know we will reign with you forever. As the book of Revelation tells us, there will one day be no more night. There will not be any need of light of lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign with him forever and ever. God, we know that this life with you starts here and now and ends one day with us living in your light forever. And I pray that we would learn to walk with you and in you, starting here and now, allowing every area of life in our life that is, has darkness to, to have your light come and expose it, to fill it. 
today and you would say, Pastor John, I don't know that I've ever called out to God and really asked him for complete forgiveness. I don't know that I've ever put my faith and trust in him as Savior. The Bible says that if you today admit that you need him, that if you confess your sin, he'll forgive you, and then he'll come in and he'll give you new life. That's what it means to be born again. And all you have to do is accept it. It's a free gift. Just receive. into my life and forgive me. Give my life every part of it meaning and purpose. Allow your light to shine in my life, filling every void. Help me to learn to follow you so that I can learn what it means to walk in your light and experience your abundant life. Let me be a source and example and a reflection of your light and my life to those who are around me so that they will see your light in me and come to know you as their father and their God. God, I pray all these things tonight, asking your Holy Spirit to make them true in us. In your name, amen. As our worship team closes us in a time of reflection and worship, as I said earlier, we have tables at the four corners of the room. We invite you as you feel led to go and to take a piece of the bread, a symbol of Christ's body. Jesus said, as often as you eat of this, remember my body broken for you. And we dip it in a cup as a remembrance of his blood shed for us to forgive us of our sins. He died for us and rose again so that we can now live for him. As an act of worship, we invite you to participate in communion at any of those four stations or to give back to him. He gave up everything for us and he asks us to live generously. So those of you that want to worship through the giving of tithes and offerings, the baskets are on those tables as well for you to leave your, your offering. And if you have an issue in your life you want prayer about, I'll be at the front. Other members of our prayer team will be at the front. We'd love to pray with you. If you're receiving Jesus for the first time and his light into your life, we'd love to celebrate that with you and pray with you about that. If there's an area of darkness, brother, sister, walking with Christ, there is an area of your life where darkness has a hold then let us pray with you for you to find freedom in Christ that he gives. We want to help you find healing and hope for the wounds that darkness has created in your life. Let us help you come and let us pray with you about all of that. So now let us all stand. Let's worship as we feel led. Let's respond as we feel led and allow Christ's light to shine.